Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. Years ago, I moved from a very small town to a remote valley out in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by national forest and not many neighbors. It was just what I had always wanted. At that point in my life, I had been a paramedic for about four or five years, and being an outdoorsy, civic-minded sort, I decided to volunteer my services with a local search and rescue organization. For being such a tiny, poorly funded organization, we were surprisingly busy. In the nine years that I was with them, we'd have at least one rescue, sometimes several, every weekend, spring through fall. The source of the majority of these calls was the roughly 100 miles of poorly maintained fire trails that were very popular with dirt bike and quad riders. When they'd inevitably get lost or wreck and get injured, we'd head out, track them down, provide medical care, and fly them out on a helicopter or put them on Stokes Basket mounted to a sort of janky trailer thing that we'd pull with a quad. About two weeks after joining, and with zero training beyond what I had learned as a Boy Scout and medic, I got my first call. A group of dirt bikers from the city had lost a member of their party and for some reason they had put their least experienced rider at the back of the group of a dozen or so riders and took off into the woods. When they returned to the trailhead four hours later, the inexperienced guy was missing. 
They set out again and looked for him for four or five hours, but then gave up and called 911. The time interval from the initial 911 call until we had a squad assembled at the trailhead was pretty impressive, no more than 20 minutes in fact. But we were already eight or nine hours behind the ball, so we did a very quick briefing, distributed maps, divided into teams, and then we set off. They put me on a quad with the most experienced guy and we headed out. The plan was for each two to three person team to take one of the longer trails that ring the place. Then after searching those, we would systematically work our way into the shorter, maze-like trails that made up the interior. This was to be a hasty search, none of that grid search stuff, but just riding around sort of looking for clues. I don't know what I had expected exactly, maybe a, a few dirt roads through the woods or something, but these trails were honestly an absolute nightmare. They were extremely rugged, technical trails, where you really had to know what the heck you were doing and where you were going or you would never make it out. GPS rarely worked due to the rugged terrain and tree cover. Radios and cell phones were terrible, and the maps didn't account for all the random trail riders would just sort of make, and the only marked roads were fire breaks, and mileage-wise, those accounted for maybe 10% of the trails. But why this guy hadn't been partnered with someone or put at the front of the group is a bit of a mystery. And anyway, four hours into this, I'm caked with mud, bleeding from being hit with branches, exhausted and just really done at this point. We take a water break and we hear broken radio traffic that sounds like the bike has been found, but there's no rider. It's only a couple of miles from us, so we head that direction. And when we get there... The bike is off to the side of the road, along with the quads of the other teams, but we can see them a few hundred feet in the woods. We walk over and find them looking down at the missing person, who is now very much dead. Lips are blue, skin dusky, arms spread out like a cross. On first glance, his eyes looked to be wide open and solid white, but... When I examined him, I could see that his eyes were actually covered with, like, fly eggs. The dude had obviously been dead for a while, and this made me very nervous all of a sudden. But it didn't make sense, though. I mean, his bike still had gas in it, he had water and food, and he was a healthy guy in his late 20s. So why was he dead like this? It looked like he had simply laid his bike down then ran into the woods to die, and, I don't know, mission accomplished, I guess? In any case, we wrapped him in blankets, then put him on the stokes, and we took him to the trailhead where the coroner was waiting. After a week later, I ran into the coroner and asked what the cause of death had been. The pathologist's determination was cardiac dysthemia, secondary to extreme anxiety, which means that the guy had literally died of fright, which up to that point I had always assumed was Hollywood stuff. I don't know, I've always wondered what was going through his head that time. Was he just afraid of the woods or of being lost? If so, why did he run blindly into the woods instead of continuing to follow the trail? There's a part of me that thinks that he may have seen something out there. I don't know. I've heard lots of stories about weird stuff in the woods and I've seen a few strange things myself so it really wouldn't surprise me.
I'll preface this by saying that we were 12, 13 at the time, and my friend and I often snuck out of either of our houses during sleepovers for late night walks. This was the basis of this terrifying encounter as well, and it stopped us from ever sneaking out after dark again. My friend lived opposite a huge forest, so her house was the preferred choice to sneak out for us to roam around at night, because the forest was more scary and thrilling I guess, and we always took flashlights, food and blankets so we could camp out for a couple of hours before going back home again. Well, on this fateful night, we inadvertently fell asleep instead of staying awake, so when my friend suddenly jolted me from sleep, it was past 3am, which was a lot later than we usually snuck out. We grabbed our essentials and creeped out of the back door into the cold and dark night. Frost crunched underfoot as we crossed the deserted road, and as we reached the entrance to the forest, we noticed how pitch black it was and completely silent too. Unnervingly so in fact. We turned on our torches, stepped into the uneven path into the forest, the light illuminating the trees swaying in the icy wind. We stepped on fallen, sodden leaves and bark as we made an unsteady but familiar way into our favorite part of the forest, our cold breath the only noise to invade the deafening silence. We reached the small hut that we constructed one afternoon, made entirely of sticks, purely for the purpose of having some shelter for our campouts. There were times that vandals or other kids damaged our hut, but for the most part it stayed intact. But on this occasion, it was completely destroyed. Almost like a, a harbinger of what was to come. We were just deciding to just call it a night and come back later on that day to repair the hut when we heard it. The loud shrieking giggle that made the hair on the back of my neck instantly stand up. My friend and I jumped in shock and looked at each other like, what the heck was that? We were completely freaked out. The eerie and unnatural giggle rang out again, contradicting the silence and making my body break out in goosebumps. Someone's here, my friend whispered to me, looking utterly terrified. We have to go now. Her voice of rationale made it even more scary and unnerving to me that someone was in the forest with us at 3 o'clock in the morning. We just looked at each other in assent and took off running in unison, our footsteps navigating the path as naturally as we could from muscle memory, our uneven gasps of air punctuating the giggling that seemed to be following us now, getting closer and closer. Our torch's light went up and down with our fast movements, illuminating random patches of trees and bushes as we finally saw a small sliver of light as we came to the forest entrance. Running out of the forest, we didn't stop until we reached the back door of my friend's house and almost collapsed in a breathless heap of relief to be safe. Then, my friend's eyes went wide and she nudged me, pointing a shaky finger to across the road. A haggard woman of indeterminate age was standing at the forest entrance giggling that awful, horrifying giggle and was now waving over at us. We screamed and ran inside and looked out of my friend's bedroom window through the smallest gap in the curtain and could still see the woman standing there for some time. Worse yet, she was staring right at us, almost as if, I don't know, she knew that we were there somehow. We could tell that she was still giggling that hideous appalling laugh and then she just turned very slowly and walked back into the forest again. Needless to say... We never went back to that forest 
nor went out after dark ever again. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So I'm going to start by saying that I'm basically a skeptic when it comes to the paranormal. Although I do love hearing stories and listening to others' points of views when it comes to that kind of stuff. This is why I'm having such a hard time, I think, of understanding what happened to me last September. You see, my dad, grandma, grandpa and I were attending my cousin's wedding in a small rural town just outside of South Haven, MI, late last summer. We rented a small house in town which was located in a very wooded area just off of a small lake. Something felt extremely off as soon as I got out of the car at our rental property though. That's the best way that I can describe it too. Something felt off and I was just immediately uneasy. But being the skeptic that I am, I shrugged it off and just chalked it up to being tired and anxious I guess. The night that we arrived, my dad and I were having a smoke outside and noticed how weird everything sounded. It was about 11pm and there was nobody else around. But the trees were crackling incredibly loudly and we were hearing strange animal noises too. But nothing too out of the ordinary, I guess. Just the type of animal noises that you would hear in rural Michigan, I guess. But they just sounded particularly strange to us for some reason. In any case, we said our goodnights and we went to bed. The next morning, my dad told me that he went outside for a smoke at about two-ish that morning and heard what sounded to him like somebody close by banging on metal siding or something. He said that it sounded like it was just next door, but didn't hear anything leading up to or preceding the loud banging, like footsteps or anything like that. But we shrugged it off in the end, and we just laughed it off. It was the second night, though, was when I heard the thing that I still cannot stop thinking about six months later. 
It was about 11pm to midnight and I was having my last smoke of the night. My grandparents were already asleep and my dad had gotten into bed but still awake just watching TV. I was sitting on the stairs outside of my back to the house looking straight out into the backyard when I heard someone shout my name in a very abrupt manner, loud and quickly. It sounded like they were shouting toward me from the front of the house like they were standing on the front porch shouting for me, knowing that I was at the back of the house. And it sounded just like my dad, but it couldn't have been him because I didn't hear the front door open or close or anything. Being a skeptic, I reminded myself to stay calm and I quickly walked back into the house. My dad was sound asleep, so there was no way that by the time that I got to him, he could have gotten back into bed. I woke him up in any case and I asked him if he was outside screaming my name. He looked confused and said, of course not. I started to get really freaked out at that point. I tried to go to bed but just couldn't get the scream out of my head. I was up all night trying to figure out what had happened. I was honestly contemplating leaving, getting a hotel room somewhere close by and returning in the morning. Miraculously, I must have fallen asleep sometime around 3 in the morning. We woke up in the next morning and I was so ready to get the heck out of that town. As soon as we left, the uneasy feeling that I had the entire weekend disappeared. When I returned to work the next day, I told my co-worker the weird experience that I had. Her face immediately dropped. She proceeded to inform me that... This is apparently quite common in the Appalachian area regarding cryptids and other types of creatures. Apparently, they try to get your attention by mimicking someone close to you, and when you look at them, they kidnap you or something along those lines. But I was in Michigan. I tried to look up information about the town that I was in, but I couldn't find anything remotely interesting or related. So I'm wondering, as anyone else had a similar experience to mine and if you have what was it it was april of 2008 i was 20 and living in denver for a year-long work contract with a non-profit in boulder my girlfriend now wife and my best friend tim drove to colorado from our home state to visit me for my 21st birthday the nonprofit that I was working for housed their workers in dorm rooms and drinking was not allowed on site, nor were visitors allowed to stay overnight. So I booked a hotel in downtown Denver for the weekend where we could drink in honor of my 21st. The hotel was big, very nice and in a safe central area of the city. So nice in fact that it was the same hotel that most of the politicians would later stay at during the DNC convention of 08 that took place in Denver later that summer. My wife and Tim, they arrived Saturday morning and we all met up at the hotel. The day was fantastic. We drank across the city most of the day. By about 1am we got back to the hotel. The room was typical with two queen beds. Bed number one was close to a big window looking out across the city. Bed number two was pushed against the wall with a door that opened to the bathroom. You couldn't see the door or entryway to our room unless you were at the foot of the bed of number one. But we drank more and chatted in the room until about 4am. My wife was laying at the head of the bed, number two, flipping through the TV. Tim and I were seated at the foot of bed number one, staring out of the window as we talked. As we talked, I 
heard some movement and sound of the door opening. Without looking away from the window, I assumed that it was my wife getting up to use the bathroom. A few minutes passed by and I thought that I heard movement again, so I finally turned around to look. I saw my wife still lounging in bed number two, as she had been. Did you get up a few minutes ago and use the bathroom? I asked her. Uh, no, she replied. I thought that I heard the door. I said back to her, with her just looking confused back at me. Yeah, I, I thought that I heard that too, Tim said, breaking his own gaze from the window. It was then that I started to run cold and sobered up pretty quickly. Very softly, I heard Tim say, Hey, I think that there's someone in our room. I lurched forward from the foot of the bed to look into the pitch black entryway. I could barely make it out and I wanted to believe that I was just seeing things, but there was a man dressed in all black with a black baseball cap pressed into the 90 degree corner of the entryway where the room door and the wall met. Absolute silence fell on the room and it felt like hours passed by as I started to panic and in my mind I said like, no way have I ever had anything like this in my entire life happen. We all knew, we knew that we weren't alone and hadn't been for a while as well, and he knew that we had spotted him. Eventually, Tim got the courage to meekly speak in the direction of the corner in the entryway and said, Hey man, is there something that we can help you out with? Another period of silence that felt like an eternity went by. He slumped off the edge of the wall a little into the light and made eye contact with Tim and I. We all just stared at each other. Then eventually he spoke up and said, Is this room 1709? No man, it's not, Tim said, stroking his beard nervously. He stared at us for a while longer, raising his eyebrows and shaking his head. And then... He turned around and left. We then erupted into a million curse words and paced around the room. I called the front desk. They told me that he was drunk and that they found him in the stairwell but directed him back to the right room. Minutes later, Tim called the front desk and they told him that he was not a guest. He was apprehended in the stairwell apparently and taken into police custody. And a while later they told my wife that he had disappeared and they had no idea who he was or what he was doing. They told her that there wasn't even a room 1709 in the hotel. We got three different stories from the front desk is what I'm getting at, and we still have no idea what it was all about, or how he managed to get a keycard to our room. We were sure the door was closed, in fact. It was easily the most terrifying moment of my life, and... Always use the latch in the hotel rooms is my advice. We got the stay refunded and about $200 in credit for food from the hotel. We would have sued, but we were young and stupid, and to be honest, we just wanted to get out of there and forget about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I was kicked out of my mother's house at 18 and went to live with my uncle and father in Selma, AL. It was an old house that belonged to my grandmother before she passed. My folks used to tell me stories when I was younger about the house, saying that it was haunted or something and was once a slave house. Selma has a history of slavery and even was once called Slave City, so I believe the stories. But there was even a rumor though that a witch lived in the house before my grandmother. It's also rumored that my grandmother's brother even dated a woman who was said to be a witch and apparently she put candles around the doorsteps with a chicken with its head cut off in the middle or something. I've had family members tell me about their stories of seeing and hearing paranormal activity around the house, but at this point, I had never witnessed anything myself, so I thought that they were all just superstitious and paranoid. Anyway... After a while, I moved into my father's old room and he warns me that one day I'll start hearing voices. I had a dog at the time and he even warned me that one day my dog would die. His exact words were a bit more cryptic than that though, but I got the drift. He said they'll either kill you or the dog. I laughed thinking that he was just joking to be honest. He told me that my aunt was secretly a witch and that I couldn't trust my uncle. He also told me that if something starts calling for you to come outside the room at strange times, it's not real. I laughed at him even more then because I remembered other family members saying that he was crazy and talked to himself sometimes. Despite his claims, everything seemed okay for a while though. One day I was preparing to leave Selma for a job interview in Montgomery. My aunt saw me dressed up and asked where I was headed. I told my aunt, who was living there at the time too, that I was going to take a nap and I was heading to Montgomery afterward for a job, an interview. Hours later, I walked out of the house to find that my front tire was slashed. All of a sudden, my aunt appeared out of nowhere and asked what happened. And this was a bit strange to me. She was acting unusual, but I didn't question it. Luckily, I had a spare in the back of my Jeep. I fed my dog and left for Montgomery and it was dark when I came back to Selma hours later. My uncle though said that my dog was dead and he didn't know what happened to it and that they had already buried him too. I felt some type of way about my dog mysteriously dying so I asked my aunt's kids who were always outside playing what happened and one of the kids told me that they beat the dog and kicked it until it stopped moving. Now, I have never heard this child talk like this, and he was really serious about it. Well, at least he seemed to be. Didn't blink or laugh while saying it. At this point, I knew something was wrong with my folks, and my father randomly came over to the house the next day. Before I could say anything about the dog, he said, I told you that they were going to kill it. He also said that he saw my uncle talking to some Mexicans who were known for doing voodoo when he passed by late last night. Again though, I, I just laughed it off because my father was always a joker. But deep inside, I was starting to get very worried, I have to admit. In any case, the next day, as soon as I woke up, I had this weird, unrealistic feeling. Then I heard my father call my name from outside the house. He called me by my nickname that he used to call me as a kid when he first lived in my grandmother's house. I was about to go out too when I remembered what he said. 
If something starts calling for you to come outside the room at strange times, it's not real. I paused for a few seconds, then swung the door open, but as he said, nobody was there. It was very early in the morning. My father was more than likely at work. And two days later, I woke up at three in the morning, walked outside of the house because I felt weird. As I walked around the outside of the house, I heard sounds like birds swooping over my head. When I looked up, I saw nothing but black shadows flying everywhere. I looked to the sky and the moon was so close to the earth that it might as well have been a giant eyeball staring right at me. A few days after that, the people from the job interview called back and said that I got the job. I was supposed to start next week. Later that night, though, I, I felt a presence in the room with me as I tried to sleep. It felt negative, so I put my headphones in and played some positive music. But even with the music playing, the presence felt like it was getting stronger and stronger. Somehow, too, my left earbud fell out of my ear and it was then that I heard a dog or... A wolf or something like that, growling in the room. I could even feel the vibration of the growling. I instantly got up and left the house and I didn't come back until the morning that night. Later in the week, I was preparing to leave the house so that I could live with my family in Montgomery for the job. I had gathered all of my things and was ready to go. I sat back on the bed to get a short rest before I hit the road. When all of a sudden... It sounded like something was running up to the side of the bed and something grabbed my hair and yanked it. The force literally almost pulled me off the side of the bed. It was then that I left in that moment and after that I swore to myself that I would never be back and I have never gone back since. December 3rd, 2022. It was around 10pm. My daughter was asleep on the sofa. I took her up to bed. She was sleepwalking again and she said, Stop it, Dad. I said, I haven't done anything, Kelly. I laughed and she then stopped in her tracks and then had this odd sort of bent forward posture with her arms stretched down to her sides with her fingers spread out and said, I'm not Kelly but in a sort of old woman's voice with a deliberate pause before she said her name. Of course you're Kelly, silly, I replied and laughed. She then carried on walking half asleep to her bedroom. She got into her bed and closed her eyes. I kissed her on her head and I said, love you, Kelly. She started to fidget in her bed and with her eyes still closed, announced, I said, I'm not Kelly. The same old woman's voice and a pause before her name, and also now a bit of irritation in her voice. Then, I realized this wasn't my daughter mimicking someone. This may be somebody else. I got goosebumps up and down my arms and said with a little stutter in my voice, If you're not Kelly, then who are you? My daughter then opened her eyes, lifted her head, and adjusted herself to be eye to eye with me and started to stare intensely into mine with these matte black eyes with no color, then put herself back on her pillow, shut her eyes, and just instantly went back to sleep. I woke her up, and it was like I'd awoken her from a deep slumber. I said, Kelly, are you okay? 
She says, yeah, dad, why did you wake me? I said, oh, nothing, just checking that you're okay. And then asked her to pray with me, which she did with no issues, maybe a little bit of confusion. Then I kissed her on the head, said that I loved her, and I left her to go back to sleep. The next day, I had to drop a parcel to my neighbors next door. The brother and the sister opened the door. I gave them their parcel. Then I asked how they were because their mother had died in the summer. And I said, do you feel like your mum is about it all? The daughter replied, oh yeah, they feel her presence a lot. And that they also had seen a ghost out on the fields in front of our house of a young girl, six years old, who had died on a playing area that used to be there. She then told me that she and her mother used to regularly use a Ouija board to contact the little girl and had done this many times, speaking to her and the little girl had replied saying that she is protecting the area so other children don't get killed there. And also a friend of the family who had died and was still visiting them in spirit form apparently, dressed in a hood and was seen moving through their rooms at night to check on them. I replied that I don't really mess with that stuff and... I just said my goodbyes to them, but I left with a really sick feeling in my stomach. Two days later, I was going to bed for an early shift at work. I went to bed at 11pm and went straight to sleep. And suddenly I awoke, but I had my eyes shut and in my head I heard myself say, there's somebody in the room. I opened my eyes and in the dark, I could see a man with white hair and black glasses working on a, a device pressing into it where my wife's side of the bed is. I jumped back shocked and I started to get out of bed. I turned my head away just for a brief moment and when I looked back, he was gone. It was a real person though, totally solid and real to look at. I wasn't scared at that time, I guess I was just completely bewildered. I laid back down after getting a drink of water and went back to sleep somehow and then again it happens. I'm suddenly awake with my eyes closed and once again my mind is telling me that somebody is in the room. I open my eyes. This time it's more sinister though. To my right at the side of the bed where my wife sleeps there's a creature with matte black eyes staring at me. In fact the eyes reminded me of how my daughters looked a few days before. Whatever it was, it was around four and a half feet tall and seemed like a mixture of maybe a, a gargoyle and a gremlin with no wings and long pointed ears that pointed straight up. Nostrils like a gorilla's. Its skin was dark green and leathery with light orangey sort of brown tips going down its arms. It was looking straight at me with a mouth that seemed to be frothing on one side and it looked very old, exhausted almost very hungry perhaps, and was slowly panting while looking in my direction. I slowly got out of bed, not taking my eyes off of it for a second, and slowly walked around the bed towards it, and noticed that it had very long arms, with what looked like five clawed sort of fingers on each hand. The way that it was standing reminded me of the bent forward posture that my daughter had had earlier in the week, with the arms hanging down to its sides, I also noticed when I was moving from the bed, its gaze did not follow me. It seemed to be just looking to where I had been sleeping. And as I got a little closer, maybe five feet away, it then just disappeared from the room. 
Like it just was here in reality and then all of a sudden it was gone. Not like it faded, but more like it just blinked out of reality. Well, obviously I was scared now and after that I didn't get any more sleep. The next two weeks were fine, but from late December 2022 into now February of 2023, I have started to have real trouble sleeping. I feel like I'm constantly being watched, but also I feel an icy cold wind blows on my neck, around my spine and knees sometimes. My wife and the rest of my family are just fine. Me, I, I get really cold in areas of my body around my neck and knees and face, especially between my eyes and nose. If I'm lucky, I'll have like one to two days of good sleep and then a couple of days of bad sleep, maybe two hours sleep each day. I've seen a doctor and I've had a urine and blood test and they've all come back fine. I've been given sleeping tablets and I have been taking calming tablets. They do help, but it's still happening and I'm getting cold and sometimes feeling like, I don't know, something's here watching I also saw a vicar and had myself blessed and also a crucifix and a holy bible blessed as well. And when I went around the house saying the Lord's Prayer and then telling it to leave by the power of God and Jesus, that seemed to help for one day. The house got very positive and light and I slept really well. But the next day I had terrible sleep again and it was almost like back to square one. I really don't know what to do. It's really disturbing me for obvious reasons, but to other people it probably just sounds like a, a bad horror film. I know that. I don't know if I'm going crazy. I don't know if I'm actually seeing something. I don't know why my daughter said what she said during her sleepwalking, but it feels real to me. And there have been other small things starting to happen, which even my other family members have noticed too, which makes me believe that... I'm not going crazy. Something is actually happening. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.